This episode is brought to you by Last Resort Bug Spray. Have a roach infestation? Need to cut those pesky pests' life into pieces? Use Last Resort Bug Spray and your roach problem will disappear. Please use Last Resort Bug Spray responsibly. Symptoms may include suffocation, no breathing, and arm bleeding. Hello, hello, welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with the subgenres within the horror realms. I am one of your hosts, Devon Taylor. Joined with me, I have my co-host, Mr. Garrett McDowell. It's me, the other host. Happy to be here. We're here. We're here. We uh, we survived a month in the uh, dangerous streets of New York. Well, we got one more week to go, and we're going below the streets this time uh, as we talk mimic. Um, but you know, this is always uh, it's always a bittersweet whenever we come to the end of one theme, and then we'll be moving into something else next month. Um, but uh, very excited uh, to talk our first Guillermo del Toro movie uh, here on the podcast, which is very strange. Yeah, we uh, kind of hinted towards it last week as Guillermo is uh, a creative genre and a force, you know, in and of itself. And I'm excited to take our first, but probably not our last, you know, uh, foray into his filmography. I'm sure we will definitely uh, discuss his uh, his films more to come. I don't even know if this one would even have made the cut if we were to just do a Guillermo month. So I'm excited to shine a, uh, you know, click our flashlights and investigate the, the subway sewers and <laughs> get down and gross and again just another yucky movie to talk about this week we just can't stop uh talking about these just disgusting movies <laughs> we love the grime of new york here yes we got our flashlights we got our glow sticks ready and then uh, we also have a guest joining us a uh, previous guest here on the pod last heard talking raw back uh, towards the end of season one and uh, whenever we were uh, doing a movie set in New York, there was only one person I had in mind I knew had to uh, come back onto the podcast. And that is one third of the Blurdy Massacre podcast and event host extraordinaire. Welcome back, Zero Gravity. Woohoo! Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be back on the show and I'm ready to get into the nitty gritty New York streets. And nobody, nobody reps New York harder in the horror community than you do. Uh, so very excited to uh, get your thoughts on, you know, kind of what makes a, uh, you know, what makes a horror movie set in New York, uh, what really does it for you. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I've been wanting to uh, get this going uh, for when we have guests on and uh, meant to do it on the Scream episode, but we were too excited about Scream 6. Uh, Want to get into the habit of asking our guests before we start, uh, what are a couple of your favorite subgenres? Great question. Um, I, I usually go just general sci-fi. Um, I'm not huge into the generic, like, uh, paranormal possession slasher. I'm a sci-fi leaning gal. So I usually go for creature feature, um, apocalypse, post-apocalyptic disaster, body horror, cosmic horror, anything that I can't really like see with my own eyes outside. You know, people die every day. People get stabbed and slashed and shot every day. But um, giant bugs taking over my city, that's something that I want to see. So that's usually the the avenue that I gravitate towards. 
Yeah, there's uh, there's something about, um, you know, we'll kind of get into it with the movie, but there's something uh, with sci-fi horror about the uh, unpredictability, you know, uh, when you have uh, especially, you know, typically very smart people, uh, you know, in their fields dealing with something. But then when it gets to a point to where they're just like, ah, we still don't really know. Uh, there's something extra scary about that in sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yeah, I, I think that. It's also a genre that allows for a lot of creativity uh, and uh, also has such a big uh, technological leaning as well with, you know, creature effects and visual effects. And you really get to allow your imagination to kind of flourish and just make whatever you want to make. And usually uh, it's it's pretty fantastical and imaginative stuff like Guillermo del Toro is so known for Uh, a lot of his films feature some great creatures and creature effects like you had already mentioned and this was kind of one of the earlier kind of forays into that uh, into that world for him uh, i wouldn't say it's necessarily like this is how all of his movies look they usually look quite different from this but it's interesting to kind of see those baby steps uh, baby steps for him yeah definitely especially because like later on in his career more of his um creatures and monsters tend to be in the more fantastical realm than science-based uh, so very interesting that uh, his like kind of early uh, one of his earlier films uh, took the sci-fi horror approach. So very excited to get into the nitty gritty of it all. So let's go ahead and hop into our movie for today's episode. <laughs> Mimic released August twenty second, nineteen ninety seven. Coming up on that twenty six year anniversary here soon. I thought it was gonna be twenty five. Got excited for a sec. Uh, directed by one Guillermo del Toro, uh, written by del Toro along with Matthew Robbins. This was based off of a short story by Donald A. Wolheim. Uh, this was actually supposed to be a part of a trilogy of short films. They were going to do three short films, and then they expanded this one to a full one, and they expanded one of the other ones into a full one as well. Um, so it was going to be like uh, these like little chunky things. Uh, cinematography done by Dan Lauston, who's a frequent collaborator with Del Toro, uh, shot Crimson Peak, The Shape of Water, uh, Nightmare Alley, and then uh, very relevant to this week, uh, he also shot John Wick 2 through 4. Uh, so that's a, a nice little tie-in. Again, we do these things by accident, guys. It just uh, sometimes happens that way. Uh, <laughs> score done by the legendary Marco Beltrami. Also very pertinent to be talking about as uh, he did the scores for Screams 1 through 4, as well as a Hellboy and Blade 2 for Del Toro. Uh, and then also edited by Patrick Lucier, who edited, guess it, Screams 1 through 3, uh, because this is a Dimension Films um, uh, production, so a lot of crossover there uh, between some of the crew of the Scream films. Uh, this uh, did not do very well at the box office uh, for many reasons that I will kind of get into here in a bit, um, but uh, uh, only brought in $25.5 million on a $30 million budget. Uh, this does have a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes on 45 reviews and an average rating on Letterboxd of 2.9 out of 5, just under that, uh, that, that fresh mark on Letterboxd. Um, so, Zero, what made you want to talk about Mimic? Because uh, people have strong feelings about this movie, including <laughs> Del Toro himself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, there is not many horror or genre films in general that take place in New York City. 
Um, it's, I mean, if we're being literal, it's one of the most expensive places to shoot a movie. It's kind of just not possible, um, if you're being real about it. Um, but also it's, it's pretty difficult to capture the vibe of what New York City is actually like. Um, and when you're able to bring out like the, you know, the, the dark and musty corners and the alleyways and, you know, things that kind of make New York scary IRL and add fantasy to that, um, it makes my life a little bit more interesting. But uh, like I said before, I love sci-fi horror, um, body horror, anything gross and gooey is kind of up my alley. Um, I'm also just a big Del Toro fan. Um, so no, this movie is not perfect. In fact, it's far from perfect. Um, but I'm kind of a concept gal. Like I gravitate towards concepts. And this mm-hmm. was just a really cool concept um, that you would think would not be able to lose. Um, I don't want to say it was a hard L, maybe just like a soft L. <laughs> um, but it's a great concept and it's moody and it looks you know, as dreary as it sometimes we looking outside. Um, so, you know, it's a fun watch and definitely not a waste of my time. Um, but it's also just cool to see how the director has grown since 97 Mimic. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, you know, people that listen to the podcast know I'm also a concept person. I'll sometimes give a little leeway to certain movies uh, on their potential uh, as opposed to Garrett is a little more uh, firm on that. So I'm curious, Garrett, uh, how you felt because uh, this was a first time watch, correct? Yes, this was a first time watch. This is like one of two, I believe, uh, Del Toro blind spots for myself. So I was excited to watch this for the first time. And you're right, Zero. I also uh, I uh, applaud you picking a film that you're not like in love with. And you're just like, I just like this movie. It knows what it is. And we're hanging out with big bugs in the sewer. So I am also kind of the same way. Like, this isn't a great movie. It's a fun hangout movie, though. Like, mm. I found this like kind of comforting, kind of chill. Uh, just like it's there are influences all over this thing for better or worse uh uh, neither of which i think this film is like significantly better than um but this is a film that i felt like it was just like just big bugs and you know hunting people and they're in the sewer how long are they going to survive who's going to get killed like not too much to it there's even some areas where this movie like kind of dove into i was like oh is this going to be weirdly topical for today nope it's not it's just big bugs, man. um so it's just like yeah i just i i didn't think that this is like an excellent movie i thought it was like a perfectly fine you know, a little bit above 90 minute watch, but it, it doesn't overextend its reach. I, it's just, I, I have no amazing things to say about this movie. No big revelations, but big bugs, Del Toro, you know, it's fine. It's, it's as fine as it needs to be. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a fairly inoffensive movie, uh, is the way I'd put it. Cause I mean, there's nothing like egregiously bad or like, you know, like out of place about it. Like it's very serviceable, but also kind of doesn't uh, kind of reach uh, some of the the peaks of again like the the potential behind this concept and it kind of lacks uh, uh, some of the uh, you know more nuanced character work that del Toro is also known for uh, this kind of feels more like just him doing a movie which I mean which is you know still better than some other people's best movies because he is a master um, but yeah. you can definitely uh, feel like it was like he had this, you know, kernel of the idea or like was uh, kind of interested in the short story. He does love his like, you know, mad scientists that create monsters. Um, so it, it makes sense that this would be totally up his alley. And uh, the, the creature work is definitely there with it. It's uh, got a, a, a very 
textured look to it, especially, you know, for how damp and wet and grimy this is to really bring that New York energy through. Uh, Though shot in the streets of Toronto, not New York, um, unfortunately, because again, yeah, on location, probably a lot harder to do. Um, but uh, I think uh, he really brings in the mood, the atmosphere, and uh, the, the creepiness from the bugs. But uh, yeah, you can definitely tell that there were uh, some bigger ideas that uh, were you know, wanting to get tapped into that just didn't happen. And that is, um, uh, of course, uh, just to kind of get the drama out of the way now so we don't got to talk about it later. Uh, this uh, was uh, meddled with by uh, one Robert Weinstein. Um, who Del Toro has been very open with, that he was very verbally abusive, controlling on set, uh, tried to get him fired, was meddling in castings, that the movie wasn't scary enough, all these different things. And uh, Del Toro almost left the project, um, but uh, Sorvino really uh, you know, de- came in and defended him and then like kind of uh, convinced ev- the, the crew to kind of rally behind Del Toro and they weren't going to want to finish the film if he left. So... Um, you know, so they got her by rallied the troops and then, you know, still able to put this out. And, you know, I'll say after above all of that for Del Toro to be able to do that, um, his first like big American picture uh, and then like kind of having to work through all that and still be able to put out a very, you know, very competent, solid horror film uh, out of it is uh, impressive uh, within itself. Yeah, I think that this is has the unfortunate kind of circumstance of being early on in Del Toro's career, and I don't think he had really posis- positioned himself as a filmmaker for people to have that creative freedom, you know, just kind of naturally attributed to them. Now he's multi-Oscar winning filmmaker, uh, you know, auteur filmmaker, and I think now um the the weinsteins as they were back in the 90s and <laughs> were up to no good and uh whether that's creatively or otherwise it seems like his experience although unfortunate um thankfully in recent years he's been able to mend it sort of kind of you know uh, there is a director's cut out there uh didn't watch this uh that version for the film i watched the theatrically re- released version the one that is on hbo max um so i'm glad he's able to mend this uh kind of creative wound since then uh, but yeah, I, I think that his his career just at this point, he, you know, he wasn't a household name like he is today. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, um, it, it, uh, a you know less competent director, you know, what might you know not have been able to handle the pressure as well as Del Toro did, and you know still be able to come through and deliver a uh, you know solid product. And then I think it also you know probably taught him a good lesson about you know working with studios down the line, you know, and working on these like you know. Uh, studio movies later on in his career that have these big budgets and kind of uh, made it uh, able for him to maybe navigate that a little bit more. So, um, but yeah, fuck the Weinsteins. Uh, fuck them, fuck them, fuck them. All right, now that we got the bad stories out of the way, let's get into the story of this movie. Zero, are you ready to hit us with a 60-second synopsis? I think I might be able to do it in 30. Let's see. I love, I love uh, when people have goals in mind going in. All right, I got you in three, two, one, go. Okay, we're setting the scene. It is 1997 in New York City, and something is killing the children. Um, We are in a pandemic. Um, Something called Strickler's disease, which I did Google and it is fictional, um, is killing the children of Manhattan. So then the CDC contracts entomologist uh, by the name name of Dr. Susan Tyler to create some sort of solution to cockroaches, which are the ones that are spreading disease. So Dr. Susan Tyler then creates a GMO cockroach 
um, that is a a uh, a blend of a termite and mantis DNA uh, to to create the quote Judas breed um, to deal with this fiction, fictional disease that's killing children in New York City. Um, the the idea is that the Judas breed secrete this kind of yucky mucky stuff. Oh, damn it! Well. Damn. She called her shot like Babe Ruth at the beginning and just, you know. I did. I saw the shot and I missed. <laughs> it was a foul. But it was I a got, foul off. Huh? I appreciate the effort, though. It's okay. <laughs> you, the, you, you, got, you got like Randy Johnson. Uh, just this uh, this big plot that you weren't expecting uh, came out of nowhere as you were as you were doing your synopsis. Um <clears throat> Because yeah, the 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 it's funny because like the setup for the movie is crammed in so tight into the first like ten minutes, and then the rest of it is just like kind of all these other like little right. pieces falling into it. Uh, it's a it has a very interesting structure to it. So, uh, so I don't blame you there. Um, but uh, so let's get into some subgenre stuff here. Um, obviously, you know, we, the, the creature feature elements is pretty obvious there. Um, and some things that I was uh, noting was, um, you know, Del Toro is always known for uh, bringing some gothic vibes into his films. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the way that he shoots uh, the sewers and the city uh, kind of is reminiscent of that. Like, you know, you kind of get some of the history uh, within the tunnels and that adds to it. But then he also shoots uh, uh, these bugs and silhouettes and things like that. And um, uh, we even have some like Jalo uh, vibes where uh, we, um, you know, think there's a, uh, a jacketed man uh, walking around killing people, but uh, no, 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 it is a uh, bug that made its shell look like a trench coat, which is disgusting and terrifying. So uh, I got a few things in there. Uh, Garrett, what about you? Um, I don't think it quite qualifies as a single location thriller, but it's like uh, an umbrella of of single location, you know, it's like it's all in the sewer, but different like pockets of the sewer, but it mostly takes place underground uh, after, you know, a significant portion of the film. You've also got those mad scientist vibes that Guillermo del Toro is, is quite fond of. So those certainly uh, play a part into this. Again, not as much as you would expect, you know, like I thought it was, was going to be kind of this like themes of, you know, playing God and the man versus nature and how much, you know, we meddle in things and it's our, you know, our, our consequences of our actions, which aren't like super addressed. They're kind of there. Uh, but yeah, I would say Creature Features, definitely the most obvious, not really a single location thriller, uh, but definitely uh, in the, in, you know, the belly of the beast sort of, of uh, corner here. Uh, and then also some uh, human meddling in science and, you know, going a bit too far uh, with our, our medical purposes, which, which I'm excited to talk about. We'll, we'll get there. But yeah, Creature Feature first and foremost. And we already heard your uh, your proclivity to sci-fi horror at zero. So, uh, what were uh, some other subgenres sticking out for you? Um, I we're pretty much matched up. We're buddies. I have down creature feature first and foremost. I don't think anyone can argue that. Um, I also wrote down Giallo because of the you know the dark looming features. I I've lumped in Giallo and Gothic horror um, just because the feel, the dark cloaked man, but also heavy uses of shadows. Um, something about being in a sewer just kind of screams Gothic to me because lots of shadows and, and long, uh, narrow spaces. Uh, and I also put down a little, a little, a little crimey, you know, a little investigative journalism-y on the side. 
um, <laughs> not much of it, but I would say in the first third, then we got a, a, a good amount, a little bit of, okay, maybe call Scully and Mulder over here. Yeah, this this does feel like a feature-length X-Files kind of spinoff, you know? This is like the Dante's peak to uh, X-Files, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I, I definitely feel those vibes, and this is also just like, it's just 90s horror which isn't technically a subgenre. It's, it's obviously a decade but it's got a vibe to it and this certainly has mm. it you know yeah it's a vibe it's a vibe it's like it, it i mean it has like kind of the tone of some of those uh classic 90s creature features um you know me big fan of uh anaconda and tremors but uh doesn't have any of nice. the doesn't have any of the like fun and silliness of those ones like it's like taking those 90s creature features but playing it like very straight and very uh trying to get very creepy with it and uh and gary you mentioned uh you know um you know and that del toro uh always uh kind of likes uh, having these mad scientists uh l- creating monsters and stuff and and i mean we have a scientist here wouldn't call her mad per se uh, because, like you said, they 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 kind of mentioned some of the the ethics of you know what's going on. Like you know, you created this thing, um, and and it's interesting because I feel you know Dr. Susan is pretty you know well intended for like in all kind of things. Like I don't see um the scientists like battling their hubris in this movie. Um, yeah. it's like you know they they tried coming up with a cure, couldn't find one. Tried a vaccine, couldn't find one and like exhaust all these treatment plans so then it became like okay now let's try to make something to like go on the attack for it and usually you feel like uh the mad scientist kind of would have been flip-flop that would have been like their first choice is just to be like oh let's go ahead and try to you know do this um so so it's like she she comes up with it and and even when it's uh breaking on the news you know she doesn't like watch it so it's like she doesn't seem like she's like interested in the fame or the fortune of it or anything like she generally seems like she's you know do it for the right reasons but um but i guess that's you know kind of part of the tragedy is you know no matter how good your intentions when you're playing with sciences that you you know even though you know it to a t you still don't know everything you know and if you go you know a step too far you know it can still be your undoing mm-hmm. yeah and there's also uh kind of a jurassic parkian sort of uh you were too preoccupied whether you could you didn't stop to think if you should kind of situation but you're right it was something that i was quite surprised by as far as there's not like this cautionary tale being told here of you know the the concerns of of going into you know the plain god stage of science it really is coming from a place of like no we just don't want a bunch of these kids to die in new york (laughs) even one of the characters who is like pretty skeptical of this entire situation with dr gates he's like hey my grandkids or my kids are here because of you so like thanks for that so there isn't really like this finger waggy sort of quality to the film like there is with something like a Jurassic Park or even in Aliens which takes more of like a you know a capitalist kind of criticism this doesn't really have a whole lot of that not to say that it needs to I was just surprised that it wasn't there it certainly would have made the movie um, more topical nowadays uh, nowadays even would have maybe had this film like some weird anti-vax sort of leaning which would have been interesting <laughs> to discuss um, but yeah it's just like we did this thing but we have consequence for all of our actions and our consequences for this action uh, is, you know, big ass bugs, which there certainly are. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that was Del Toro's vision and how much of that was just kind of lost in translation after the whole, uh, you know, um, knuckle bump with um, with Weinstein. Yeah. Um, I'm 
kind of thinking that maybe let's, let's just say hypothetically if Weinstein got um, the way that they intended they wanted more of a horror movie maybe this did turn out to be more of like a mad scientist kind of thing um, maybe our you know main character could have some sort of like control issue maybe in in their um in their career and you know really needed this win so maybe took a little bit more drastic measures maybe we would have more interesting characters maybe that we could actually um have a message or but i'm also thinking about what it would be like if there was like no weinstein involvement at all because i know that del toro loves like the tragedy route mm. um so maybe it would have been even more just I don't want to say boring, but just very one-dimensional characters, which, you know, you try to, like you said, Devon, like you try to do a good thing and even your best isn't really enough. Um, But Garrett, I love that you brought up Jurassic Park because there was one thing that really sent me back to Jurassic Park in my brain while I'm watching this movie Mm -hmm. uh, to prepare for our recording. Um, uh, so, you know, these bugs, they're not supposed to reproduce, right? They're supposed to have, uh, you know, yeah, one generation I mean, and then they on. die. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, life finds a way because when the fuck doesn't it find a way? And it reminded me of being back in the Jurassic Park lab when what's his face? So then Dr. Ian Malcolm says something along the lines of, oh, how do you know the dinosaurs won't reproduce? And then the scientist says, oh, well, that's because all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are female. And in Mimic, all the females can reproduce with eggs. So life finds a way. That's definitely the theme here. I would have Mm -hmm. loved to see it like applied more, like with some sort of consequence. But, you know, it just has me thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. there were there were like some pieces of something in there because, you know, there's the like s- super small subplot of Susan and Peter trying to get pregnant. And, you know, and they have like the one scene where <laughs> yeah. they're like waiting, they're trying to see and like, you know, sh- they keep talking about how they want kids. And you see like, you know, the way that she looks at uh, Shui, um and they have like, you know, their little uh, family at the end or whatever. So like there's something there with, you know, some some reproduction things on top of. Uh, you know, the the life finds a way kind of aspect of it. Cause it's like interesting that they take it, you know, even a step further in this because, you know, they come up with, like you said, multiple fail safes. They're like, okay, we're going to make them all sterile. And then we're also going to make it to where their lifespan only has like this amount. And it's like, they think they have, you know, this finite control over the DNA that they're doing, but then she ultimately, you know, confesses at the end, like, we, we don't know what we truly did. Like, we, we know that we did alter their DNA, but like, we don't know the extent of it and it turns out the extent of it was like they you know sped up the metabolism so the evolution like kind of happened faster to be able to start creating different organs and then like creating uh the way to mimic the humans um and i like that you know again like the this movie yeah does seem more concerned with obviously kind of getting to the the horror creature parts of that versus um you know del toro might have wanted to do a more meditative creature feature where we are kind of spending more time inside the mind of uh susan and like kind of really getting to uh, uh play with these ideas um but but i mean you know again the del toro isms are still in there because like you know del toro he's never had sympathy for them kids he ain't afraid to kill them off <laughs> he, he killed he has a row of, he has a row of sickly dying children in the first like five minutes of this movie and then he <laughs> kills more later so it's like i, I feel i feel like that even 
plays it a little differently than it would like the pandemic now because like pandemic now COVID affects everyone but like how would people's uh you know thinking be different if it was like only affecting children you know that people kind of have a little more empathy for I'm not gonna lie I did watch this movie last night a little stoned uh and that first opening shot of all those kids and like the medical tarps and stuff I was like oh man this is (laughs) this is really gonna bum me out Uh, but thankfully it kind of won me back by the end of being like okay I was like this is really gonna like harsh my mellow here man like there's a bunch of dead fucking kids but as we said on the pod big fan of that think it like really uh, you know sets the stage for that and also later on some kids bite the dust, Devon. They really do. Got that one with the mm. big fucking teeth, you know? <laughs> he, he, Both of those the kids same, don't make it, man. He, in the same scene, ha- kills a dog and then two children. In the yeah. same scene. Del Toro don't give a fuck. Cold-blooded, <laughs> no. man. Cold-blooded. Oh, yeah. But, uh, so so let's get into, um, I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about uh, uh, Susan a little bit and, uh, and her plight uh, throughout the film. Uh, what do we think about uh, Susan as our uh, protagonist? I think she's a little boring. I'm I'm not watching the movie for her. I'm not watching this movie for any of the characters. Actually, no, that's a lie. I am watching this movie for the um the MTA agent Leonard. Um, our boy Leonard. Leonard is that guy. We all know a <laughs> Leonard. He was the only really redeeming character for me. Um and um. The entomologist Susan, she's she's I. Right. She's just a little one dimensional for me, but she's right. mm-hmm. I. I don't think the movie helps by having it's like it's in like the Prometheus school of like having hyper intelligent people who are like very qualified and good at their job, but like consistently just doing dumb shit in the movie, you know, uh, just seem mm-hmm. to like navigate the situation as like anybody would like, rather than like these hyper intelligent you know scientists experts they're just kind of like oh i dropped my flashlight let me just reach my fucking hand down this hole and you're like hey man maybe don't do that big bugs are afoot yeah and i think the reason that leonard is so likable is because he's really the only like relatable character in this movie everyone else is just so kind of opaque and just bland that it's really hard i felt to connect with a lot of the characters i liked manny i thought manny was cool um he's not in the the film uh a ton unfortunately in the later you know uh, kind of uh, act of the film he he, he does meet his demise uh, as does leonard as well but i found manny and leonard to really kind of be the everyman in this and leonard also has a lot of humor in the film he's quite intuitive he a lot of like the the good ideas that these characters have are his ideas and he's able to use his knowledge of like the schematics of the 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 layout of the you know the sewer and everything to kind of uh navigate everything but yeah uh, susan is just a. Uh, it's not my fave. I, I'm I'm on the Leonard train here. No pun intended. Let's go <laughs> all mean, aboard the the L train. Yes, <laughs> the L. Get on. Uh, Leonard is like the most New York character uh, in this. I mean, Leonard and Manny. You know, I feel like this is where we kind of get some of the uh, you know character of New York within the film is pretty mm-hmm. much injected by them because they are like you said though they're the everyman. Um, they kind of you know have their own like little rapport a little bit. Um, but then it's like. Um, and then like Peter and Leonard, like their bickering kind of feels like very New York to me, like just the way like, cause like, even though Peter's like kind of like uh, a little bland, he's got a little sass to him. He's got like a smidge of this like little chip on his shoulder. Um, so like whenever he's like, you know, like, you know, trying to, you know, handle the situation one way and then he's also kind of having to deal with Leonard, uh, their interactions were actually fun. I, I feel like the cast like gelled really well together, like as an ensemble. 
uh, versus like uh, any of them kind of being uh, too standout. Because yeah, Susan, I mean, she she had seeds of something there, and then uh, and and you know, yeah, she she reached her hand down the thing, but like I'd say she makes you know, besides that, and then there was like one point where she just like keeps like going like deeper into the tunnels. It's like no, 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 mm-hmm. don't go down. You should be going up. Um, uh, you know, so it's like she did have those moments, but that like in the back half, you know, where we do get to see her like, you know, put her brain to use, uh, you know, understanding mm-hmm. the physiology and like doing the scent and stuff and, uh, you know, coming up with a uh, problem, uh, problem solving techniques in that way. Um, she gets, she gets a little bit better, um, a little more interesting in, in the back half, but yeah, um, the, the supporting characters of Manny and Leonard definitely bring the, the humanity for sure. And something that helps for sure is it's it's not quite a subgenre, but this is certainly one of those movies where you're able to go like, oh, hey, look, it's so and so, you know, because <laughs> this movie has Josh Brolin, like a young Josh Brolin before he Ooh, got like yeah. super famous, still post Goonies, but a young Josh Brolin. Uh, you've also got Norman Reedus making his first, you know, Hollywood debut in this uh, as like a very memorable character who works at like the water filtration <laughs> plant or whatever. That was really great. F. Murray Abraham is also in this movie and uh, he was uh, quite uh, a surprise to see as well so it's got a pretty well-rounded cast of supporting characters it's just an unfortunate like the leads are like the least interesting people in this movie it's just uh yeah it's a shame yeah I, i'd agree there you definitely got a lot of uh really fun uh character actors and faces uh on the lookout here but yeah it's not really about the people in this movie um even though i mean it, they try to make it into this like kind of again like this is a high stakes you know trying to save you know people mm-hmm. on a big scale type thing but yeah it doesn't uh seem to care about uh the people that are actually doing that uh because we're here for the bugs uh we're here for mm-hmm. uh the judas breed here um you know del toro is known for his you know creations of these uh monsters uh he said that he uh, really enjoys bugs uh has like uh, in an interview, I described it as a fetish, you know, based king, based king. Hey, he has a- you know, don't knock until you try it, I guess. <laughs> and, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and uh, these things are um, the, you know, when we see them in like the small form is like kind of whatever. But like, yeah, the, there's something very, very unsettling about these bugs whenever you learn that they can mimic the human form. And they have like little like things on the end of their mandibles to like look like a face and like literally are apparently able to walk like a human, <laughs> like like mm-hmm. like a human would uh, to, to kind of, again, have this weird uh, kind of jalo mystery going on the first half. And then you're like, oh, no, it is the bugs. Um, it, it would have been uh, funnier visually if they were actually like in a trench coat. But like, again, like the fact that they like <laughs> made their wings like look like a trench coat <laughs> is very unsettling. It's very gross. Yeah. You mean like they like mm-hmm. took off the trench coat and there was like five of them, like little rascals style, yes. you know, <laughs> five cockroaches in a trench or how many, maybe 500 cockroaches in a trench coat or one big cockroach with wings that look like a trench coat. Imagine being in the writing room. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go with option B. <laughs> yeah. The the design is, the design is real gross. And like, you know, uh, there's a few like CGI shots when they're flying around. Um, but we do get like a lot of uh, practical and yeah, a lot of the times they are kind of shrouded in shadows, but uh, they're still shot to a way that we get a little more and more of them throughout the film and just like getting to see, uh, their their anatomy in various stages and we get plenty of cutting them open and poking around because you mm-hmm. know del toro loves his autopsy scenes 
Um, so, so love getting to see that in here. Yeah, I think it's kind of a make or break thing for a lot of people probably watching the film. I I like the idea of these. I love how there is kind of this like invasion of the body snatchers esque kind of. You know, they're able yeah. to uh, mimic, uh, as it were, to, uh, how, you know, humans look and, and walk and behave and be like these bipedal creatures, which is like pretty unsettling. Unfortunately, like once they really start moving, uh, the movie kind of like shows its hand a bit, although there are some practical effects in this. A lot of it is CG and it's 97, baby, and it's mm. it's not looking great. Uh, I, I think that although the the concept is cool i think that there's a lot of like animation uh happening with these uh, creatures that kind of is a dead giveaway even though like some of the i think some of the cg modeling and even some of the lighting looks nice i think once they really start moving that animation is able to show its hand a bit and unfortunately it does kind of take away from some of the suspense and the terror because it's like you know sci-fi movie not like the genre like the channel kind of quality you know uh, computer graphics here and it's not 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 the best certainly late 90s not terrible by any means but uh it's you know i would have preferred something a bit more practical personally mm -hmm. i mean again this is you know at the behest of you know we need more action in this movie we need to see more horror we need more of the monster mm -hmm. like let's see mm -hmm. it you know like uh, jurassic park did it like we can do it too you know and it's like <laughs> uh, i don't think that this movie was just quite up to being yeah. able to pull that off and like you know imagine if this was made today it would kind of get like you know it'd be a lot more of a subtle kind of like leading into it and like kind of getting to see it and like less action shots of it but like really um uh getting it in to to really creep into your mind and let your mind like kind of make more of it up versus uh seeing it here but like again whenever we do get the the like pretty like you know up close like big physical model of this thing it's pretty gross has a lot of moving parts on it it's very slimy uh, and then again, like at least, you know, Del Toro shooting it like kind of these silhouettes um, does it, you know, to hide uh, some of the looks. But he also at least has an aesthetic purpose with it as well, like kind of being able to lean into it and uh, give it again, like kind of this gothic feel to be able to cover up for, you know, some of the shortcomings of the effects. Mm -hmm. I would love to see a do over. I don't think Guillermo Del Toro would be down for a do over, but as a fan. I would love one um, from his brain specifically. Now he knows not to beef with the wrong people. I'm sure that much can be said, but the concept is just so cool. And to see what they could do with today's technology, you know, let's say like if they pushed it to practical effects forward and then just did a little bit of touching up, maybe like a far away, like flight shot with CG. Um, it's, it's, it would be insane with a monster design or a creature design like this one. Um, I just, I want to do over so bad, man. Before I came or when you invited me on the show, I was thinking about mm, what New York city horror movie can I think about? Another one that I thought about was the happening. Um, but that movie mm -hmm. is miles worse than this one, but still another cool concept that I would love to see fleshed out today. And, in, in uh, what year is it? 2023. Um, Cause I think we got all these really cool concepts and I just love the way that Del Toro's mind works and, you know, a great concept as we can see now can easily be ruined by the time period that it's in um, the technology that's like readily available at that time. And also just like industry stuff. 
but I just can only imagine what this concept could do with just the the creature design alone if we had the blend of practical to CG effects that we use like in movies today just the mm-hmm. the perfect ratio with a design like come on man like give me an action figure something at the least <laughs> give me a poster something it's it's too cool it's it's too cool not to yeah i think it, it is kind of a shame because it is you know a product of its time and i feel like del toro had this great idea like devon had mentioned of having this creature have the silhouette of a person and kind of look at this kind of shadowy figure in the corner and then once it kind of unfurls itself like how terrifying it is it's just also mm-hmm. it's like once it starts to move that's when it really it's easy to make mm. something like in the shadows stationary like you know kind of look more uh plausible look more realistic but then once it really starts to move that's when it looks unfortunate and you'd you'd mentioned it devon of like having this potentially we don't really know this like jurassic park influence it was a few years prior so it wouldn't surprise me but i think even on that you've got somebody who's like with like phil tippett who is working on the animation of the dinosaurs in that film and there although there is some stop motion in this movie i've always wondered what that movie would look like with this even something of like a you know a piece of technology that is pre predates this film stop motion is kind of a, an older trick and i wonder if del toro would be interested in that he's obviously interested in stop motion just won an oscar for it so i i kind of even wonder what the film would look like with something on that level although yeah still practical um and it might not look super realistic or anything but i think it would have a certain charm to it that the late 90s cg i just don't think quite has it personally totally yeah you know the creature just uh you know uh his imagination was too much for for the budget and for uh the things at the time um there were talks about a uh getting adapted into a series um and the person show running it uh would uh kind of make or break people's um uh excitement for it uh someone very well known in the 90s one paul ws anderson uh, was tapped mm. to be the showrunner for for Mimic. So, but that's uh, the last news of that was back in 2020, uh, probably like right before pandemic times. Ironic. Um, oh, so, this was new news. This was. Uh, oh, I mean, at least that's uh, the the last thing I've seen about it. Said that they were talking wow. about it in like 2020. So. Okay. Well, at, at the very least, I'm glad that. We three nerds are not the only ones who are thinking, damn, this would look really good in present day. (laughs) (laughs) And it would be interesting, you know, in a series format versus a movie. I mean, there are uh, sequels to this one that is a direct sequel to this one that is not. Um, But, um, you know, uh, within a series, they could definitely like really get into each little moment of it to like kind of get, you know, more of the more of the scientific stuff, more of the uh, morality kind of stuff, more of. Uh, you know, all these uh, other kind of things and kind of tie it into a, into a bigger thing because, like, the whole point of the movie is, like, you know, they catch this, you know, luckily super early, apparently. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. they're trying to catch it before it, you know, spreads outside of Manhattan and then, you know, could be this big global thing. But we never kind of get the, the scale of it. It kind of does stay firmly, mm-hmm. you know, tucked in its little New York world. Yeah, I, I think that would be awesome, though, like a series. And then you could cover like all the different perspectives that this phenomenon is is affecting. Like, I, I really did like the kids in the beginning. It's the kids, uh, you know, after all that that uh, 
catch this giant bug and are just so in awe of whatever the hell this species could be. Um, maybe like I would love to see like a kind of like Goonies attack the block, you know, those those same kids or like, you know, similar, maybe living in like project housing here in the city who just, you know, they get out of school, don't have anything else to do, but to search around in the subway. Give me a short story about that. Give me something more about Maybe a mad scientist being a little more mad. Maybe what happens when it escapes the city. I don't know. I think that's that's cool. That's a slept on idea. I hope they do well, that. You know, while you had mentioned it, I wanted to add another reason why I have a slight beef with Susan is the fact that those kids that you were talking about who, like, obviously don't come from, like, a super, you know, they don't, like, not swimming in cash, work tooth and nail to give her these bugs. And she gives them, what, like, ten fucking bucks? Like, <laughs> those kids are actually getting scammed this entire movie. I felt bad that they right. they lose their life because of her. Like, they die because <laughs> they go into the subway for 40 bucks. This kid's, like, really stoked about the fact they're like, oh, man, we're gonna get this big payout. And I know they're kids and 40 bucks seems like a million bucks. They fucking die because hey, of Susan. I'll so say- we've got beef. I mean, uh, again, you know, the kids, they made their choice and they, they assumed that she never even said that she would pay them f- for the sack. She, they were like they were trying to do their little wheeling and dealing on her. Uh, you know, that's Susan being vigilant. You know, she's probably been robbed by some of these kids in the streets, too. You know, so all I'm saying is if you give a mouse a cookie, new- you know, I, like they, they're going to assume they're going to get paid. Why wouldn't they? You know, she's going to be like, all right, kids, that's enough. It's time to stop. No, it's supply and demand. And they saw the demand. So they're here to supply. No, it's to show Ooh. how good Susan is with kids and how good of a mom she would be and how she's a mom to these insects. Oh, it's all see? about Susan being a mom. Duh. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, reaching, reaching as uh, as we like to do here on the pod. Um, but yeah, uh, the 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 bugs did uh, provide for like a lot of you know, uh, it, like is uh, do do bugs bother you guys at all personally? Um, like I mean, I don't. I'm not bothered by bugs. I don't like being surprised by them. That's like what gets me more. Yeah. But like if I'm just like if I'm like aware and I see it and I'm just like oh yeah okay like that's chill. So it's like. Um, but like the the fact of it, you know, just like kind of scurrying around and stuff, uh, definitely got me on a, a yeah. few occasions. I'm I'm with you. I I don't mind bugs. You know, I appreciate some bugs. I mean, you know, spiders are pretty cool because they eat mosquitoes. Like I do not fuck with mosquitoes, but I, there's nobody who actually does. But yeah, I'm I'm just like you. Like don't sneak up on me. Don't sneak up on me, and we'll be all fine. Um, but actually. I did watch a a doc within the past year. The name is is slipping my mind. I don't know why I'm thinking about this just now, but um, there are scientists that are out there looking kind of for like cures to mosquitoes. The mosquitoes they serve like no good purpose on this earth, right? And um, what's kind of a little too similar to be comfortable. Um, but there are scientists out there that are working on like a specific, I guess, a, a GMO of mosquito, um, that will only reproduce to birth, um, men, men, males. <laughs> so then, you know, in time, uh, mosquitoes will just, they won't be able to reproduce anymore and then they'll just die. Um, it's kind of a similar approach yeah. here. I mean, obviously it's not a full you know brand new species of bug which is the judas breed um but still like the the um 
the use of an animal, the mod- the use of a modified animal to to you know do something within a different bug's population. That's not that's actually not un- unheard of. Like that you know this these tactics are used today. Um, probably not with all this evolution type stuff, but mm-hmm. I know damn well if I were to see some giant mosquitoes with a trench coat. On, I ain't never seen no shit like this. I ain't never seen no shit like this before. Oh, oh, fuck a mansquito. We don't need any of those running around <laughs> mansquito. here. Mansquito. We don't need those. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of crazy because it's like, what if they would have taken more of that approach in the movie? You know, instead of going the hey, let's make a monster to you know eradicate these other uh, insects. Like, what if it was like, okay, how can we like alter or you know like um, either alter the cockroaches or like try to. Uh, repurpose them in a way because similarly as well you know roaches don't have any uh, significant purpose really Uh, they uh, wouldn't be missed I suppose but hey it's also I guess at the end of the day still still uh, a a life uh, I suppose sure but uh, sure yeah sure sure yeah yeah not a life as far as I'm concerned it could meet the end of its life at the bottom of my heel no thank you a gen- genetically modified bug are you fucking kidding me that's disgusting well, no, not, the, not the Judas breed I was saying the roach here. like the roach you know they don't, they don't have purpose but they also don't hurt nobody well until, no I was talking like what zero was, was discussing as far as like the, the government creating these fucking bugs to go you know just stop that's that sounds like a a, a world of hurt to me uh, also yeah sounds like Jurassic <laughs> Park um but yeah the the bug question not a big fan you know like anything else like if I if I saw a fucking I don't know like an owl on a, on a telephone pole I'd be like hey cool an owl if it was in my bed like I probably wouldn't be super stoked about that so yeah fine at a distance keep your distance uh, yeah. once you make its way into my home and I didn't invite you no thanks man uh but in a cage or something like that yeah i i roaches uh, i think i've not had like too many run-ins here in, in los angeles with roaches uh but uh mm. yeah big uh, yeah bug in a trench coat it's pretty gross pretty gross also also don't make creepy noises uh the sound design yeah. in this uh definitely did get under my skin i don't like that i don't like uh, uh some of the noises that chittering. bugs make yeah, yeah like uh, yeah like the clicking and chittering and like uh, reading the different uh, uh, adjectives in the captions was really funny because like there were so many different ways to describe what sounds these uh, uh, bugs were making. Uh, so, yeah. so the use of the sound design uh, was really good. Yeah, and then you have uh, Choi, what's the kid's name, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like clicking his little spoons together to kind of to mimic those. What did you think about the Choi, the the kid in this movie? Were you a fan? Uh, Not really. <laughs> I thought I I. Something about Chewie wasn't right with me. I I think it's the kind of, maybe I made this up in my head, but I feel like it's kind of like a 90s, 2000s thing to have like a, a character on the spectrum, like to have an autistic character and like, you know, the, because they're autistic, they like, they know things or... Yeah. Or they they see you know because like autism makes them kind of this like a superpower you know, yeah yeah which it is I would agree it is in in many yeah. cases IRL but not like it's not supernatural you know like yeah you know just because he he's good at sounds like that's his that's his thing um you know he kind of ends up being like a key somehow which mm-hmm. mm, I don't know how I feel about that um but it's 97 so I guess I can like slowly look away i I think we're like for the most part we're better now but something it was like directly offensive but something about that was like "Mm, 
don't know. I mean, I'll say the trope is definitely present uh, with uh, Joy's character, but I don't feel I don't feel like uh, they again like put too much uh, emphasis into uh, these connections that he had. Which I mean, I guess maybe that is a uh, one pro of the movie that they don't you know spend more time with that you know because mm-hmm. you know they yeah they kind of because for me it didn't I didn't like get it uh, like feel it as like oh like. Uh, I feel like it would have been more exploitative if he was like for like some reason like the one that like led to like you know the the explosive finale or if he was the one that like mm-hmm. saved the day or something I feel like that kind of then it would have uh, gotten to that territory but I think just due to the fact that I was like oh no the sounds is just like what kept him alive um, I felt like I was like that that's okay if we can uh, get through mm-hmm. and not kill one kid uh, in this movie and uh, one kid make it to the end I'm okay with it being joy um, you know, <laughs> yeah it could be a lot you know, worse right? um, so so I did you know it's the the tropiness is definitely there but it uh, didn't feel as exploitative as I've seen in other movies I'd say mm-hmm. Uh, you don't. You can. You don't have to subtweet it. You can let us know. It's the Predator. You know, it's Jacob Tremblay in the Predator. That's yeah. the movie that you're talking Jeez about. Louise. Yeah, we, <laughs> we can say that. Again. Got in, definitely got into that um, in that episode. So, uh, you know, uh, that episode is still actually a very highly downloaded episode, which is uh, odd to me. But it's a shame. It's a shame. <laughs> but yeah. But, um, but yeah. So. So yeah. Definitely. Um. You know. Troy, Troy was there, uh, and he didn't at least, uh, at least he didn't give like a bad kid performance. Like he was, you know, he was solid. He was there, did his thing. Um, but uh, I did want to kind of uh, talk about, uh, yeah, more like um, in the back half of the movie is kind of where it does uh, pick up a little bit more for me. It gets a little more interesting uh, since we aren't even attempting to like kind of do the character stuff. They're like, all right, let's just do, you know, bugs in the sewer. And that's what we came here for. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I do like... Um, I, I don't like um, how like they all started off separated and then it like take took like an extra like 10 minutes just to, like get everybody together like hey let's just all go down there together let's uh, actually pack more than some flashlights and glow sticks and jars um, and you know they could have uh, did a little bit more of that but like it kind of so it put them with like you know bare minimum and uh, but I did like kind of like uh, some of these like little survival moments that they're like kind of having to do once they do regroup back together. And, um, you know, we love uh, use of uh, subways in New York movies, you know, uh, in a New York movie, subways got to be a character, too. And uh, that's a uh, no, love that uh, and mm-hmm. we, we definitely don't get shorted here with that. <laughs> They certainly feel unequipped, don't they? Like they don't even go down there with like bug spray or literally uh, nothing. Like a, bug like a spray, sh- just a shoe in hand. <laughs> like they literally just go down there with like a good attitude. Uh, like they just are just. There's they describe them as a colony. These like big honking bugs. If you told me there was one of them somewhere in my apartment, I would be like armed tooth and nail. But they go down into the subway where there's a colony, like a, a smorgasbord of these bugs, and they're not even, don't have a gun, a knife, nothing, nothing. They no deserve raid? They no, no raid? No raid spray? Nothing. nothing. Well, I'll say they didn't know it was a colony until they did that autopsy in the train car, because that's when they go, oh, this is like one of the soldiers. That means mm-hmm. there is a colony now. So uh, I, I will say at least they didn't know the, the, the magnitude uh, to which it was yet, but uh, even still, you need more than, like, like Josh Brolin had the tiniest fucking flashlight, and it was pissing me off. I was just <laughs> like, bro. it also didn't work. Like, it was breaking when they first got in there. I was like, bro, this guy, uh, uh, terrible cop. 
but yeah, they they kind of went in ill prepared. But again, I liked uh, the the little uh, first like you know spread the scent like whole thing was uh, really yeah. nice. And then uh, uh, what did you guys think about uh, the uh, uh, you know Pete's explosive? Uh, finale uh, I thought that was a, a shot you know a, again like for the effects that they could do was like pretty well you know like I had a nice little shot of this like exploding uh, with all the bugs and like it's like the first time the bugs are like actually like illuminated I like the explosion, I thought that was man. tight yeah it was cool yeah. like it's practical like cars are flipping it's yeah. out on the street like you've got like the sewer tops that are flying off like I, I dug that it kind of caught me by surprise because as we had mentioned like the effects in this weren't super my speed but you get that and it is this kind of like oh shit they did that for real so I was like pleasantly surprised I, I thought it looked really cool you love those you know mid to late 90s explosions it was great yeah I'm always down for an explosion and for a, a film that for me this movie takes place in like the first third and then we got the middle meat stuff and then I kind of check out. I start checking my phone a couple times, you know, I check my email once maybe. And then we get to this end, the, uh, the concluding sequence with the explosion and now I'm back. And now it like finally brings me back, um, which I, I think. I think we all need it. it was a big explosion to bring us all together. But, you know, on top of that, it looked good, too. So I'm, I'm not mad at it. I think that would have been uh, they could have had a little extra sauce of, you know, with a little more city mayhem because it looked amazing. Like it really did. Mm. Like, you know, coming up with the the uh, the manhole covers bursting up and the cars and everything like it, it looked great. And it was uh, it was giving shades of the blob. But I wanted it to like I wanted to like kind of see a little bit of that city mayhem for a minute mm -hmm. because like they they kept saying like, you know, uh, as long as they killed a male, the rest of them will die. So we could have had them like, you know, uh, more bugs out in the streets, you know, uh, with mm, fire and yeah. kind of some exploding mayhem because like there's still a moment where Susan is, uh, you know, still doing battle with the male down below. So like the explosion killed the colony, but like he the, the male still survived. Um, so it was, so it would have been cool if like, you know, a few of them, uh, flew out from the sewer and we get like a little street mayhem, uh, with some New Yorkers, you know, somebody yeah. out there with a, you know, hockey stick, like trying to fucking bash one in. And, you know, we got the bodega guys with the shotgun shooting a giant bug monster. Uh, you know, that would have been that little extra New York sauce. Yeah. It is unfortunate though. You know, lady probably... on the way home from work shoots with the pepper spray <laughs> because... Yeah, I'm just trying to get home. A little unfortunate <laughs> that probably all of those homeless people that we saw early in the movie, they're all dead now, which is unfortunate. Oh, yeah. You know, well, either, it, either it was the bugs or burnt to a crisp, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was the bugs because Leonard, whenever they were walking, he goes, oh, like it used to be packed down here and like now they're all gone. And, and then he had even said, he was like, yeah, there's rumors that like some uh, uh, tall Long John killer is going around killing them. And it's like, nope, it was it was the bug. Uh, you know, so, um, so yeah, the poor, poor, uh, they call them the mole people, poor unhomed people, uh, <laughs> uh, getting it in this movie. Um, but, uh, and again, like, I love how Leonard, you know, still does, you know, kind of sprinkle out a little more of those things. I love, uh, you know, guy with his ears to the streets, you know, he's hearing the rumblings, he knows the things going on and, um, you know, with all of his like little history stuff. Yeah. Le yeah. Leonard was a good guy. And it pissed me off that, you know, he killed, uh, got killed, but at least, you know, he uh, had his hero moment when he did it. Went out singing. Uh, we love that for Leonard. Yeah, that was something I wasn't, like, super in love with towards the end of the movie. There's a lot of beats of a character who's, like, 
no, save yourself. And then they stay back to do whatever thing. There's like three or four of those like in a yeah, row. Yeah. And it gets to be a little tedious of this character like sacrificing himself and they may or may not die because it's kind of 50-50 on these sacrifices. Uh, but it would just, it happened like too, too many times. Uh, the fact that it's like sequentially one after another was not my favorite. I was like, keep, keep you know, keep it, uh, add some more variety to your third act rather mm -hmm. than just having all your heroes just sacrificing it so the next group of people can survive, you know? Wow, what a group of generous folks. How do they get <laughs> this know, guy together? Everyone is just like so nice. It literally felt... In the face of giant bugs. <laughs> not, not my New York, you know, this was absolutely filmed in Canada. It was... Nah, these are not New Yorkers, no way. <laughs> It was given Black Widow and Hawkeye doing the, like, fighting each <laughs> yeah. other to jump off the cliff. Like, it was, right. like, a little bit of that. Like, in and because there was even a moment where they were having a conversation. It was, like, Susan Peter. I thought they were, like, kind of leading to a moment where, like, he's, like, you know, like, because Peter has been, like, uh, every time, you know, um, when they've been, like, doing investigating and talk to people, he, like, kind of steps over Susan and tries to, like, handle the situation because he's Mr. Big Bad mm -hmm. CDC and then... You know, he's supposed to learn that, like, oh, yeah, Susan knows more than me, you know, and, like, blah, blah, blah. But it was, like, the way they did it was, like, because first he was, like, no, I'll go. And then she's, like, well, no, I know these things. I need to be the one out there. And then he goes, well, yeah, you do know them better, which is why you need to stay and I need to go because you need to yeah. go on. It was, like, a weird, like, reversal. And it was, like, I thought there was going to be a nice moment here. And then they yeah. just didn't. <laughs> I, it was funny. When, when, when he had said, like, uh, she's, like, I know more than you do. I literally out loud said, I was, like, yeah, that's the point. And then they didn't do it. And I was, like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> okay fine, I guess. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, they they did the like the well you you save today but or I can save today but you can save tomorrow. Yeah, it's my else. '90s movies. That's what I want. Yeah, I, I I you know love GDT and like I love how like sincere and like scary he's trying to make this. But like, give me some '90s camp, man. Like I could have used it. I could have mm. used a bit more fun in this movie. It's like it's fun enough, but this could have been like a real you know not like a, not a corn fest or anything. But I could have used a little bit more sincerity in this. Yeah, we had a they they had like a couple like little cute coupley moments. Like you know, I'm a sucker for people taking baths with their clothes on. That's always cute when they do that shit. You know, like and then uh, <laughs> dancing, uh, fighting over the pregnancy stick. Like I mean, they went for a little sentimentality here and there, but uh, all that is lost when you're in the tunnels, baby. Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, we can go ahead and uh, wrap into our final thoughts here. Out of uh, we'll go out five cockroaches. Uh, for this one, you know, represent New York on the way out, you know, uh, when New York is underwater because of, you know, tectonic plates or whatever, the roaches will still be going. So, uh, Zero, uh, let's go hear your final thoughts out of uh, five cockroaches for Mimic. Out of five cockroaches, I'm going to give Mimic two and a half cockroaches because I will eat up anything that takes place in my city. You guys already know I'm a horror sci-fi gal. I'm a sucker for a creature feature. This concept is pretty unmatched. Execution's pretty weak. So I feel like that evens out to two and a half cockroaches. That's fair. That's fair. What about you, Garrett? How many cockroaches are you going? Um, given the, the caveat that I was pretty stoned watching this, uh, this is a, a three out of five cockroaches. For reasons that we've nice. already mentioned, character work, it's fine. Uh, creature effects, it's fine. It's got some like fun set pieces. 
Uh, and it's good to like have on in the background, but yeah, I'm with zero. I'm not going to like, I lie and say I wasn't on my phone uh, for like not an insignificant portion of this and kind of tuned out a little bit. Um, but it's, it's what it needs to be. I'm curious to see how the others two, the other two kind of hold up to this, but I'm glad that GDT kind of went on to bigger and better things because this isn't it. It's almost it, but it's not quite it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're going to go for the, you're going to go for the sequels. Um, the third one, um, has been, uh, compared to rear window in a Ooh. odd, in a odd, uh, comparison. So I don't know. Might be up your alley, Garrett. If you, Sounds if you're like going to, uh, Hitchcock alley, man. if you're going to, if you're going to, I got to know what in. that's about. I got to know. <laughs> It's, it's a it's like some it's like a guy like quarantined in his house because he's like a, a, a doesn't like germs and shit. Uh, also resonant could be could be okay. uh, Trace Thurman uh, from Horror Queer said uh, he he said it was at least interesting and watchable. So uh, okay, we'll, we'll exactly how Trace. I would describe this movie: interesting and watchable. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, same. Uh, I, I'm uh, going. I'm gonna go two and a half out of five. Uh, as well, uh, you know, even though I really do like the look of the Judas breed uh, and like uh, some of the, the creepy imagery that gave and uh, some of the again, like some of the gothic elements that we get whenever uh, it's a little bit more uh, atmospheric. But um, but at the same time, it doesn't have like the same magic as some of those other great 90s creature features uh, for various reasons, whether it be budget or other things. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, just such a cool pre uh, premise that just, uh, you know, could have been expanded upon a little bit more and uh you know there's uh, some movies i have in my movie math that kind of go into similar things that uh do it a little bit better and i uh couldn't get it up to a three because i probably am not going to be pressed to watch this again but you know we'll see maybe my curiosity will get to me and uh we'll uh and i'll watch the sequels as well but probably not i'm not gonna hold my breath on it but so <laughs> let's go ahead and see what other movies we were thinking about while we were talking about Mimic. All right, here on the Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes by playing a game called Movie Math. Uh, the rules are as follows. You just have to take some of the films that reminded you of the film that we discussed today and put them in an equation. Uh, so Zero, what is in your Movie Math equation? Okay, this might sound super flattering, but this is the equation is for the vibe. Okay, it's not for the screenplay, and none of us are here for the screenplay today. It's not for the characters, it's for the vibe. Okay, just gotta put that out there for us before I get canceled on this podcast. Okay, I have The Thing plus X Files divided by Underworld equals Mimic. It checks out to me. That checks out. Yeah, that's not a cancelable offense. Yeah, I don't think ever on our movie maps we're, it's, we're arranged in quality. That'd be like a different whole situation. Here. I think we mostly go on vibe. You know? <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's the eye test uh, kind of with these with these equations. Um, yeah, I can uh, definitely see a, a, a couple of those things. You know, transformative monster. Uh, we got a blue filter on the entire back half of this movie, so definitely <laughs> see the underworld vibes there. Um, so yeah, so definitely uh, see those things. Um, I, I have a few things going in mind. So I got um, in my parentheses, I got my uh, kind of two more sciency uh, things. Uh, so I got Splinter for one. Um, it's a uh, single location thriller. These uh, people, they're stuck in this gas station and there's this like alien symbiotic type thing 
that like semi reanimates dead bodies and like uh, it's uh, mainly a hand that's like terrorizing them for uh, for most of the movie. And uh, it's a good one. Super good. Uh, uh, Shea Wiggum's in there. Love Shea Wiggum. Um, but they also uh, kind of have a lot of different set pieces where they're trying to use, uh, you know, their scientific knowledge um, to kind of, you know, get around certain things. And there's uh, they, they do what the couple could have done in this one is where it's like the, the subplot between this couple is like the guy is like not as masculine and like, you know, he's like, you know, portrayed as like more the nerdy mm. type. But like, you know, he still, uh, you know, can be the hero in a, in a different way. Um, and, but as well as like, kind of let his girlfriend, you know, take the lead and like really like save the day in it. Uh, so I have the splinter multiplied by splice, um, a, a weird, yes, by, uh, yes. by the great Vincenzo Natale, uh, love splice, uh, another one of those things where that that's where you truly have the, the mad scientist angle that could have been in this one. But it's like, you know, these scientists, they are like, you know, trying to crossbreed uh, different DNAs and things like that. Uh, so that way they can help produce like fake organs down the road. But they're really not concerned with that. They just want the fame. They want the awards. Um, so they, uh, you know, press on too far and then they create Dren, a human animal hybrid uh, that also goes through uh, different mutations and evolutions throughout the film. Uh, and adapt beyond their control has uh, one of the uh, just terrifying endings ever a uh, super horny movie as well um, and also kind of shares a little bit of uh, some visual aesthetics too so I got those multiplied in uh, parentheses I have that divided by the descent um, uh, as far as like again just uh, kind of being trapped you know just stripping it down to the the base elements um, because there is you know some friendship dynamics being explored in the descent but breaking it down to being in a cramped space with some monsters and you're trying to survive with minimal lighting so divided by the descent you know Nirvana, i was trying to put my finger on what you know quite why these creatures didn't look right enough and they're not sexy enough devon they should have been sexier these bugs should have been sexier mm. <laughs> like species Exactly, exactly. Uh, my equation mm-hmm. is filled with uh, films that uh, I've talked about before and some uh, that I have not. I think this is, it's its not reflective of quality until it is, and I think you'll get what I'm saying here. I've got, in parentheses, I've got them, big bugs. That's why it's in there. Plus aliens, also uh, not because of quality, but because it's also a very blue movie. You also have some sewer action in that, and also this kind of hive threat that's uh, chasing after you and kiddos and all that kind of stuff. Got that in parentheses, divided by Godzilla. Not the good one, but 1998's Godzilla. (laughs) Because that is also a film, like late 90s kind of energy to it, taking elements and uh, kind of cherry picking what it likes out of some of its peers but just doing kind of like a worse version of that. So yeah, I've got them and aliens divided by Godzilla 1998. Also like the egg sacks, like we yeah. both got cool egg sacks and mm-hmm. aliens and mimic, Yeah. which I wanted to say, I, I would love a, a, a mimic egg sack pillow for my couch. <laughs> I happen, think that's like, yeah, I think that's like an incredible merch opportunity. And I would like to know who I should speak to. <laughs> somebody some devoted etsy shop out there has a uh a plushie of the the mimic uh judas breed egg sacks out there some somebody has to have it um some fantastic nerd i'm i'm coming for you yeah and, and now i know uh what 90s energy that uh you were talking about that was missing garrett uh mimic didn't have a song by diddy 
uh, for oh. uh, for the movie tie-in. That's what Mimic See, didn't have. We, we both got great ideas here. Things that are missing from this movie: sexier bugs and a P Diddy on the soundtrack. Yeah, that would that would complete that would complete the cycle, now, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a that's a five star right there. Um, but yeah, easy. But uh, that'll do it for uh, for Mimic, which will be closing our uh, book on New York set movies uh, here on the podcast. I mean, not for good. I'm sure another one will pop up down the road. But uh, that'll do it for this uh, end of it. So, of course, thank you so much, Zero, for coming on and bringing this one and have a nice little fun conversation with us. Uh, what podcasts? Uh, where can the people find them? Tell people the goods. Um, well, thanks for listening, everyone. I've been Zero Gravity. You can find me online at IDK Gravity on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Um, I'm also one third of the Blurdy Massacre podcast, which you can find wherever gets your podcast fix or on socials at Blurdy Massacre. Or you can pull up on me on uh, in April at uh, Salem Horror Fest. I'll be hosting the second weekend of the event. Yes, nice. yes, y'all. With, uh, with all friends, friends of the pod, you've, uh, Shirai was here talking to Abby, Brother Ghoulish on the Halloween Ends episode, and then Salem Horror Fest ran by uh, Kay from our Paranorman episode. So all the connections are there. We love to hear it. Look at that. Love to see it. What are you working on right now? Uh, You guys can follow me on TikTok and Letterboxd as well as Twitter uh, at Garrett McDowell. Uh, If you want to hear some more podcast stuff, you can follow me at the Scum and Villainy podcast, which is my Star Wars podcast. If that is your sort of thing, we'd love to have you on over there. And you can find me at underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram as well as Letterboxd. Follow the uh, podcast TikTok page at Spectre Cinema as well as Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can hear me uh, talking uh, the first purge and the forever purge over on the Pod and Pendulum podcast if uh, you like that franchise. And uh, and we already did reveal what our theme is going to be for next month because we wanted uh, people to get a little extra time in, you know, because uh, we got a little more required watching to do uh, in April as we celebrate Evil Dead Rise towards the end of the month. Uh, we already did the Evil Dead uh, uh, original first four movies so what else is there to talk about oh yeah there was that star series that had three seasons so we are going to talk about ash versus the evil dead so strap in guys for that we're going to do just one episode per season and uh do it that way so uh so get your get your watching going yeah there are streaming right now on netflix i've been enjoying diving into that uh and kind of uh re-falling in love with this series and even though it's completely different than evil dead rise it's like a totally different world uh there's also some fun dna in there which i think evil dead rise does have so i'm excited to talk about that one for sure our first tv show devon i'm I'm pumped we love treading new ground here on the pod doing some new things and uh and uh i feel like uh covering uh evil dead stuff is uh apropos for april as well for when we have our uh 420 episode uh our inaugural time for garrett to smoke one time on the podcast <laughs> just uh, oh just absolute <laughs> nonsense i just ramble last time we did it it was just like uh, just, i like did i say anything that entire episode <laughs> you did great buddy you did great but I'll go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.